0: I had the opportunity to recently interview Dr. Richard Howe of Southern Evangelical Seminary to talk about apologetics. What is apologetics, you may ask? It is simply giving an account and a defense of the Christian faith. There's so much going on in our culture. There's so much going on in our world, and things change so rapidly. And he has been a tremendous resource to me and a resource to many. And you're going to get to hear my interview with him and the need for apologetics and philosophy in the defense of the Christian faith. I hope you enjoy the conclusion of our conversation. I have a special guest today. I have Dr. Richard Howe of Southern Evangelical Seminary. He's the provost, professor of philosophy and apologetics, and the Norman L. Geisler chair of Christian apologetics. And I'm really excited to have him on today's program. So Richard, welcome, and I love what you're doing because the 20th century was mainly defined, in many cases, by people reasoning up in their apologetics. I did an, a journal article on Paul Tillich, who let's just say he was a man who modernism rocked his world. He was a Lutheran chaplain during World War I. His job was to bury bodies all day. And it took this person who didn't want to let go of faith, but in his reasoning, in his pain, and in his disillusionment, in many cases, gave up so many aspects of the Christian faith. So on the one hand, his answering, his questioning, his trying to still seek God in difficult times was good. But in the end, he strayed so far from orthodoxy that his faith was unrecognizable in the sense of the historic Christian faith. But again, what we take from him is answering theology. But where you're coming from, is a situation where it holds up amid all of the opposition and all of the difficult aspects and tragedies. God is there, and God is just. And you don't have to surrender the classic Christian faith. You don't surrender orthodoxy to do so. And again, that's where your generation came in, where you're answering those difficult circumstances and the changes of culture without yielding the classic tenets of faith. It reminds me of C.S. Lewis during World War II. People forget that mere Christianity arose out of his radio addresses where people had forgotten why they went to church. They were just good church folks, and they went because they'd always gone. But in this case, he reminded them. He just sat there on a microphone in layman's terms and just reminded people why they went to church and why the Christian faith holds up, and he did so in a very engaging and competent, but every man kind of way that it could speak to everyone. Because at the time, London was pretty much the center of the universe in 1901, but by the middle of World War II, there was a lot of doubt because they'd seen their world crumble before them. There was a lot of humble pie going on. And they had to figure out in modernism how their faith was gonna survive. And in many cases, I feel like it's our turn where we're speaking to postmodernism, the loss of the meta-narrative, the loss of the grand scheme or great purpose in life. And people are embracing all kinds of spirituality to try to survive, but you don't have to survive. You can thrive. And there's hope if we're willing to seek God for who he is. How can we do that in a postmodern time? And how can we leverage your discipline to do that?
1: Yeah, so uh, I love this question because uh, I think sometimes people, individuals, might feel sort of overwhelmed at the task when you see how crazy the world is getting, especially here in the U.S., but I can tell you it's, it's, uh, there are countries outside the U.S. that are drinking deeply from this postmodern, that kind of stuff, so we're not alone in this. these toxins we're swimming in, so at least uh, misery loves company in that regard. But you think about the world just being so crazy, and it feels like a daunting task when, when the Bible tells us, go ye therefore into all the world and make disciples. But one of the things I try to remind myself uh, on it when I need it, and remind others if I think they need it, is first of all, <clears throat> think of it as one mind at a time. Think of the sphere of influence that God has put you in, whether it's a, a family member, spouse, children, parents, or whatever or close friends, or co-workers, or even, for that matter, chance encounters with strangers. And think, think of that sphere of influence. It may be huge, like a Billy Graham, or it may be huge and very, very academic, like say a William Lane Craig and some of the other luminaries in contemporary Christian philosophy and apologetic, or it may just be fairly under the radar, like the most of us in the body of Christ Uh, that don't have a a YouTube channel and aren't able to do some of the things that you see people do. And they go, don't worry about that. Just whatever that sphere of influence is, just be faithful with trying to uh, bring the truth to bear on that. Now, according to the measure of faith that God has given each individual, that's still going to require a person to try to bone up on the arguments and the evidence. Uh, you know, you take a general apologetics class. I just got through teaching one of our famous modules. It's like an entire semester's worth of lecture in one week. Uh, yeah, so it's just whatever that measure of faith is, you can take an, sort of a general apologetics training. There are lots of great YouTube videos in that regard or a class like we offer at the seminary that one can take and even audit for that matter if you don't want to put it towards a degree program. And then then there are training to get free from the internet, books to read, all these kind of things are more programmed from a seminary like ours, on more narrow, uh, focused, that are deeper things, like, for example, I teach a course at the seminary titled "Contemporary Atheism." We spend the entire semester reading and critiquing a popular atheist like a George Smith or Dan Barker or some of these guys, to a more robust, Academic philosophical atheism—people like Michael Martin, or Theodore Drange, or Anthony Flew, or uh, Kai Nielsen, or some of these guys—who are who are bona fide philosophers and are atheists—and we try to critique that. But when you've got all these toxic voices flowing in, you mentioned modernism, and I really appreciated what you said because a lot of us are all giddy about postmodernism. We're all trying to refute it. We need to be reminded: modernism wasn't all that big a friend to to Christianity, and it hasn't gone away. So you think of somebody like a Richard Dawkins, who's a brilliant scientist. You can't can't, uh, call into question his intellect, and maybe not even his integrity. But how could somebody like that see a starry sky and not know that there's a God? There may be a lot of explanations. Some of them are spiritual, of course. The bottom line is spiritual. But there are more proximate reasons to explain it. And I think, again, as self-serving as it says, I think it's just the influence of bad philosophical thinking that's created the modernism of which he's a child and then later the postmodernism. So there's a lot of options out there and opportunities for people to equip themselves so they can fulfill 1 Peter 3.15. It says, be ready at all times to give an answer to anyone who asks you a reason for the hope Uh, That is in you. And of course, the reason there's the hope that, first of all, we have hope. And apparently, Peter was expecting his readers to be asked by others, Well, why do you have all this hope? So apparently, they were displaying uh, a reaction of hope in the midst of all their persecution they were undergoing. So people say, Well, where do you get this hope to bear up under all this suffering people are putting you through? Well, the reason for that hope is the promise of a resurrection from the dead and eternal life. So that's the reason for the hope, but people want us to give an answer when they ask us for that reason. So now we're going to have to find, well, how do you know there's a resurrection from the dead? How do you know there's eternal life? And we're to be able to tease out wherever the argument jumps in for somebody who maybe they don't understand that something, objective truth. So a postmodernist, you might have to deal with the philosophical level, or somebody doesn't believe there's a God, you have to deal with his existence, or they maybe they believe there's a God, but maybe there's more than one, you have to deal more with the attributes and these kind of things, or they're not sure why we should trust the Bible over any other book from the ancient world or for that matter, any other book of religion. What about the Bhagavad Gita or some other sacred text? You have to deal with that. So anywhere that you're challenged, you want to sort of do one of two things, either uh, equip yourself with the answers. We probably do both of these. It just depends at different times. Equip yourself with the answers that you can garner and gather in your own mind, whatever the measure of faith you have from God. And then second, be uh, aware of where to point people when the question is beyond your field of expertise. That happens to anybody. If somebody comes to me and starts challenging me on some of what the Christians believe about creation versus evolution. Okay, I may have a few words to say about that, but I'm not a scientist. But I know some people that are scientists, so to speak. You know, and the books that they wrote, and i direct them to that. So you can do that of all these different areas that the the faith is challenged, to be cognizant of these these options.
0: All right. I was so grateful for that. I don't know if anyone's listening has ever been stumped or had issues or been intimidated by kind of this new class of atheism where people are very, very learned, and they make great points, and they're very quick-witted, and it's almost as a means of embarrassing us. What I loved about your class, Dr. Howe, is how you were able to kind of expose those logical fallacies that they put us on our heels. And I left that class feeling so much better and so much more competent, not to fall into the, the tricks and just basically to converse in much more confident manner and keep my cool and not get drawn into things that I don't need to be drawn into, but yet give a good answer for what I'm being asked. Let me give you an example of how your teaching empowered somebody. Dr. Howe, we want to thank you for being on the program today. You can find him at richardghow.com. You can also check out ses.edu, which is the website of Southern Evangelical Seminary. I highly recommend it. And again, thank you, Dr. Howe, for being on our program. That was the conclusion of my interview with Dr. Richard G. Howe of Southern Evangelical Seminary apologist, philosopher, writer. He's got a wealth of materials available online, and I encourage you to check him out. We had a great three-part conversation that talked about his progression into apologetics. He talked about foundational concepts, and then we ended with his charge to become equipped and to live out our version of the Great Commission uh, using apologetics, which is very much in line with the heartbeat of Lose Yourself as a program. Lose Yourself is a call to discipleship, and part of our discipleship process is knowing how to defend our faith and also share our faith. I'm very pleased that this program gave us an opportunity to discuss this with someone of Dr. Howe's credentials and being able to ponder how we might apply this in our personal daily life. As we wrap up today, I'd like to highlight a couple of passages that he referred to. 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16 says, but in your hearts honor Christ, the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense for anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it in gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Remember, we are to contend and give it a defense of the faith, but do so with gentleness, respect, and then let the word speak for itself. I believe that this is a time when Christians need to be equipped to give answers and do so in a way that is godly and is necessary in our culture. Jude 1:3 reminds us to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. As we contend for the faith, may we do so with grace and competence. As you grow in your abilities, just remember this is less about winning arguments. It's about giving hope to people. My hope is that this message has encouraged you and you'll be able to then have conversations with people and change lives. And so friend, I wanna thank you for joining me today and we'll see you on our next episode of Lose Yourself. This has been Lose Yourself. Lose Yourself is a teaching ministry of Bible teacher, Dr. Mike Cunningham. For more information about Mike and his ministry, check out his blog at loseyourself.life. Until next time, make it your ambition to lose yourself to Christ. Lose Yourself is a production of Key Radio.